Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. We stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Baker takes the snap. Rolls right. Throws down the middle. And Joku's got it. 520, 50, 10, 5, touchdown. Nick Chubb. Odell Beckham Jr. 89-yard touchdown. Miles Garrett did it, Doug. Around the horn he came. Rang the bell and said, Fires, it's caught, Lambry, touchdown! Here's Mayfield, back to pass, he throws, right corner of the end zone, touchdown! They got it, it's Landry again! Nation, another week, another Browns win. Let's get into this, Jason. The Jaguars. Oh, <laughs> uh, where, where, uh, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the actual stats, or do we want to start with how the refs almost threw the game away for us? I think we should get into the referee conversation because that's blowing up Twitter since Sunday. Yeah. So, you go go ahead and go over the first of the multitude of calls that actually stood out. Well, first things first. Um, on the Browns, what was it, like third and three, third and four, whatever it was, Chubb runs the ball and clearly – or Hunt runs the ball, clearly gets the ball over the line, right? So the Browns challenge it after they mark them about third and two or fourth and two. The Browns challenge it. And they win the challenge. They move the ball up to about an inch or so short of the first down, which clearly he was over the line. So that's one bad call. Then they measure it. The ball is clearly on the line, which would be a first down. They don't give him the first down. So then the Browns go for it on fourth and inches. They say they don't get it. But if you watch the replay, Hunt reaches the ball over. It's over the line. Again, they don't give it to him. But then they give the Browns a timeout back for the supposed challenge. They won, but they said they lost. Then they said they won. This was all screwed up. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't know how to describe what we saw there in that, Mike. And then we get into the one on defense when Olivier Vernon. Okay, spreads. yeah, we're going to go on this one here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is the one, other one that really stood out. We are 
going into this one that was on our defensive side of the ball late in the fourth quarter uh, with the Jaguars driving Brown's defensive end Olivier Vernon sacked Mike Glennon but apparently the 6-2 Vernon was flagged for helmet to helmet contact with the 6-7 Glennon on a play where his helmet literally never touched him no no the the call ended up keeping the drive alive for the Jaguars, which gave him a touchdown, which put him as close as the game was. Should have been fourth and like 20 or 25, and instead they give them the first down, and then they go down and they score and just barely don't get the two-point conversion. Which that was all thanks to who again? That was uh, Sandejo. Yeah, all you people that are Sandejo haters. Sandejo haters, uh yeah, you can shove it there. Mm-hmm. They actually played really well for us today. Yeah, Sandejo. or not today, but this week. Sandejo yet again, I mean he's he was down the list this week, but I mean he had one total tackle, but again though, he makes a key play in a key place of the game, which he has done in many spots throughout the season. Yeah, okay, fine. He's missed some tackles, maybe some big tackles, but so have a lot of other guys on our team. So why is he getting all the uh, all the shit? Uh, your guess is as good as mine on that one, man. Not deserved. Not deserved at all. But overall, the refs, they blew this game. It almost felt as though the refs were purposely trying to cost the Browns this football game. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it really felt like it, but I'm going to go ahead and just not stop, leave it at that. Yeah, let's just hope it doesn't cost us in a playoff game. But one of the big things to talk about is that this win clinched us from from having a losing season. It's just from having a losing season, and on top of it all, the Browns – First time since 2007 – Yeah, now let's just hope the Browns don't finish 8-8 eight and because eight, that would be disappointing even so. Well, to do that, they'd have to lose to two pretty bad teams in the Giants and the Jets. Although, to be fair, the Giants are starting to surge here at the end of the year. I think we'll finish at least 10-6. and six. I think so, too. I think so, too. I, I think um, if I had to pick a – That Baltimore pick, game's looking a little more winnable now, too, so it could be 11-5. and five. I look like I like our chances against Baltimore. This week against Tennessee is going to be a tough matchup. Tennessee's kind of coming in pretty hot right now. But should the odds go in our favor here, we're looking at a potential twelve and four team. Yeah. yeah, for the most part, I think you might be right. Because that Steelers game, I'm looking at that Steelers game more and more. And the only way the Steelers, I think, play their starters here is only if the number one seed is is in a fight with the Chiefs, and right now it kind of is. Well, yeah, the fight's going to be there. I mean, both teams essentially have to win out in order to have get that mm-hmm. top seed. If, if Pittsburgh loses even one game, they're letting the Chiefs knock on that door. Yep. The Chiefs have to win out as well. I agree. I think if the Chiefs lose – or if the Steelers lose one game, they're going to be the number two seed. Well – I don't think they're going to be the number two seed at that point, but it's going to give the Chiefs a heavy chance of getting back into that race, 
essentially the Steelers need to go undefeated in the regular season in order to keep that number one seed. So it, that Browns game really could matter at the end. It could. It really could. And I, and I can definitely see them – I could see them playing their starters for sure. I don't think they're going to play their backups. Um, and I kind of I kind of hope they don't because I want the Browns to play a – a tough contentious game before the playoffs would start because if they play a backup, they're going to settle into comfortability and they're going to say, Oh, here's a win. We probably could easily get against backups. And then they go in the playoffs and they're just flat. I think they need to be challenged going into the playoffs. This is the oh, I agree. I agree. Well, we'll have to wait and see from here. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's get into this here. Uh, for the Browns, Mayfield, 19 to 29, 258 yards, two touchdowns. Finally, after three weeks of not scoring. And he was only sacked twice. Only sacked twice, no interceptions. What is this, the fourth game in a row? Yeah. Yeah, because he has not thrown an interception since the Bengals game. Let's keep it up. Mm-hmm. He's on a roll, and uh, his, uh, his ratio now, his uh, touchdown to interception ratio at the moment is 17 touchdowns to seven interceptions, and he's now eclipsed 2,000 yards passing on the season. Let's keep it up, man. He's been getting a lot of flack in the media, and I will admit that he did miss a couple key throws in this game. He's missed key throws throughout well, the yeah, year. Well, yeah, he's done that all year long, but he's not doing it as frequently. No. And I don't think it's happening as often as the media is making it out to be. The fact of the matter is they're missing the key point here. Baker has improved upon a lot of the stuff he did from last year. He turned into a better game manager. He's making the key throws when he needs to, and he's finishing the game and not putting the Browns in bad situations at the end. Exactly. He's done a lot to improve his uh, footwork. He's done a lot to improve throughout the season on – his accuracy, which is obviously still an issue, but it's nowhere near as bad as it was, say, week one. No. Week one, we were seeing the Baker Mayfield from last season, but he has since cleaned that up, and we haven't seen that same Baker Mayfield since then. And not only that, too, people need to realize something. Baker Mayfield is not going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be Drew Brees. He's not going to be Russell Wilson. But at the end of the day, if he's controlling the game, he's finishing the game, and he's not putting the Browns in bad situations – what more can you ask for? We don't need a Patrick Mahomes. It would, be, would it be nice to have a Patrick Mahomes? Yes, obviously. But we don't necessarily need it because we've got a lot of pieces around us that complement Baker's play style. Yeah, and not only that, too, the Browns, first and foremost, are a running football team, and we've got that. So that's what I mean, what at. better proof do we have of that than this week? I mean, Chubb with 19 carries for 144 yards mm-hmm. with a touchdown, averaging 7.6 per carry. I mean, again, I mean, Nick Chubb is – how many consecutive games now has he gone over 100 yards? I think this was his fifth 500 – or fifth 100-yard game this season. I want to say you're right there. Um, yeah, it says right here, so – 144 Sunday, 114 against Philly, 126 against Houston. And that was his first game back. Right. And the game against Dallas was 43 yards, but he went out and was injured. But the game before that, Washington, 108 yards. So if we go back and look at the last four games, not counting the Dallas game when he came out, over 100 yards. 
And you have been over 100 yards in the Dallas game if you would have stayed in. So we're looking at Chubb breaking 1,000 yards rushing here real soon. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. He's right now um, – he's at 719 yards with six touchdowns. He's averaging 6.3 yards a carry. How many yards total has he done so far this season? 719. So he needs another 281 yards in the last five games of the season. Mm-hmm. And he's tied He'll be able to do that. I mean, Kareem Hunt this week, another 10 yard or another 10 carries for 62 yards. Yeah. And he's another performance for him. We almost had another week where both our Browns rushing backs, our rushers, both went for 100 plus yards. Yeah. Between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb combined, the Browns are already over 1,400 yards rushing between both of them. It's insane. What is Chubb sitting – or not Chubb, but Hunt sitting at for the season so far? Uh, 706 yards and four touchdowns and averaging four and a half yards a carry. So they're both at over 700 yards with five games left. Yeah. We yeah. could very easily be seeing the first time in a long while a uh, running back duo both hitting 1,000 yards a season uh, that are on the same team. It's crazy. And if I were the Browns, man, I would hold on. I mean, Nick Chubb, of course, is going to get that long-term extension probably either the end of the season or next year. These are the ones that you know are going to be getting long-term extensions. Yep. I will tell you this right now. Baker Mayfield, Mm -hmm. Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Well, he might not get as long of it as an extension. A couple years at least. But he'll probably get at least two or three years. He needs to. The Browns need to hold on to him. Just and I have a feeling they're probably going to offer him more money than people would have expected for a contract. For, it's only going to go two or three years. Probably. But there's a good reason for that, and it's because look at what the tandem of Chubb and Hunt have done so far already. Well, I think uh, Hunt makes Chubb better and Chubb makes Hunt better. And I think getting rid of either one of them would be a mistake because either one of them will falter because they don't have one another. Yeah, but two others here, Jarvis Landry, I think is going to get a big extension. Yeah, I think so. He should anyway. And the one that is most deserving of a massive extension when it comes down, when it comes up, Miles Garrett. Well, he did get that five-year extension already this past offseason, so he's locked up. <laughs> they might as well extend and be like, here, you want to play your career out here? I don't disagree. I would just keep him here long-term, but at least the Browns have him extended, and he's not going anywhere anytime soon, so that's good news. At least yeah. one key player is locked down. We've got to lock down Baker and Chubb for sure. Those two we really got to lock I'm gonna down. I'm going to mute real quick, all right? Go ahead and keep talking. Um, the biggest thing here is I, I look at the Browns' salary cap, and I sit there a little, a little worried because I'm wondering that if we do, in fact, re-sign Baker and Chubb. All right, I'm back. Um, all, all what I was saying was is the thing that concerns me about the Browns is the salary cap because I'm wondering about if Chubb and Mayfield get these long-term deals, where is that going to leave anybody else they want to sign to keep here a while? Because you're going to sign Mayfield and Chubb the big deals. They're going to make a lot of money. Yeah, you've got a point. And I'm concerned about that. And I, I'm thinking that somebody's going to take the hit someplace where we're going to lose somebody along the way because of it. But who's it going to be? That's a good question. Um, I think one of the ones we're going to see take the hit here 
is going to be Njoku. I think Njoku's gone at the end of the season. Well, he's still under uh, team control for another year or two, I think, right? Yeah, I think so, but I think he's But this will be a matter of are the Browns going to be willing to trade him away? I could see the Browns trading him away just for draft pick or draft picks. Mm, we'll have to see. I guess it'll just depend on how the year finishes because as of right now, Austin Hooper has, has proved that he is capable of carrying the team on his back at tight end. So I don't think Njoku is a necessarily needed thing, especially if Harrison Bryant comes along and he's a rookie. Yeah. If you have, if you have Bryant and Hooper, I think you're fine without Njoku. I agree. Uh, going into the receiving game here, <laughs> this is what we've been wanting to see all season finally. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, eight yeah. receptions for 143 yards, and finally you see a TD in his stat line. It only took 11 games, but he finally gets in the TD category. But averaging 17.9 yards per reception. Yeah, he was all over the place, and it was refreshing to see the old Jarvis Landry again. I'm looking at his stats, and I think he has consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Right now, he is at 614 yards. So he's going to have a little bit of work to do in the final uh, final five games. To well, get- I mean, you figure if he averages a little over 60 yards the rest of the way per game, mm-hmm. then he'll hit that mark. He should. Um, I'm looking at his stats from the last five games. Cincinnati was 6 for 48 uh, Las Vegas, 11 for 52. Houston, 5 for 29. Philly, 2 for 23. And, of course, 11 for 143 against Jacksonville on Sunday. Well, he only had eight receptions. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong category. Yeah, eight for 143. It was two for 23 against Philly, three for 29 against Houston, four of 52 in Las Vegas, and five for 48 in Cincy. Yeah. But, I mean, the rest of the way, you've got your normal stats. And Caterell Hodge, three receptions, 31 yards. Uh, Higgins only had one reception this week, but for 15 yards, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Austin Hooper, two receptions, 13 yards, and that other TD catch. Yep. yep. Which was a thing of beauty. Baker made up for his bad throw earlier in the game with that nice throw to Hooper. Yeah, he did. I took a look at that. I'm like, no, Baker's going to throw this game away with Hunt – or not with Hunt, but with Landry doing as well as he was. And then he makes up for it by with that amazing throw to Hooper in the end zone. want to say it was second quarter? Uh, yeah, I think it was right before halftime. Yeah. Can you really beat that? No, it was uh, – and I think the Browns were putting together some very nice drives in this game. I mean, the offense was hardly ever stopped in this game. They either were going down and scoring six or they were going down and kicking field goals. They were always scoring on their possessions. I think they only punted two or three times the entire game. Uh, punting, they – no, they only punted once. One time, so which means they pretty much scored on every possession. The Browns did have one turnover, correct? It was a Baker fumble. Yeah, it was a Baker fumble. Okay, so, I mean, other than that, that means the Browns scored in every possession, except for their fumble and one punt. Which was not bad at all. I will gladly take that. I will take it every time. Let's see. Going to the defensive side of the ball here, Terrence Mitchell leading with six tackles. 
BJ Goodson right up there as well. Five tackles, one assisted. Thing that was really surprising here is that to me, I don't know about you, is that we did not get a sack this game. No. Um, Minus the one that should have been a sack. There should have been one Olivier Vernon sack. Um, no, and the, the biggest issue on defense this game for me, the biggest takeaway from neg- negatively, is that the Browns were not applying a lot of pressure to Glennon. And that no, was- they weren't. That, that was kind of alarming. Yeah, but it looked and like – the fact that – they were, they were letting Robinson run the ball on us as much as he did. Yep. Yeah. I, I looked at it this way. I think defensive coordinator Joe Woods, I think that from what I was watching closely on, it seemed to me he wasn't running a lot of blitzes. Um, it seems to me he was keeping his backs back. He was only bringing a lot of three-man pressure. Which um, I don't understand is why that was going on because he, I mean, especially when you have a backup quarterback starting in Glennon, mm-hmm. how do you not think to rush the ball more? How do you not think to blitz him a little bit more than what you did? Yeah, I agree because um, last week against Philly, I mean, they were blitzing them quite a bit. And then all of a sudden we weren't blitzing at all. And I have to kind of wonder why, because Jacksonville's line is not, is I think weaker than Philly's. No, so it is. Why were they not bringing as much pressure on the Glennon? I mean, Glennon's a veteran, but he doesn't play much. So if you put pressure on him, it might've got him rattled, but he wasn't rattled. He was comfortable all day and it showed. I don't know. Well, we're going to always have questions about that. I don't think we'll have a problem um, this week though with Miles Garrett finally being uh taken off the COVID list today, so he will be being back on Sunday. Being ready for the game against the Titans. I was worried. That because... one's going to be a tough game for us. Since we're already here, might as well go into predictions. Yeah, Tennessee, man. I oh. This one, I mean, we beat them last season, and look where they ended up. Yeah, they still made the playoffs, and they were still a good team. And they were still made it to. They still made it to the championship game, right? Right before yeah, the Super Bowl, they played the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say we're going to win, but it, this one's going to be by a field goal, if that. I think yeah. we're looking at twenty to seventeen. Yeah, I'm I'm very conflicted about this because I keep thinking I, I've been reading a lot of the the predictions from the national media and a lot of them, you know, of course have Tennessee winning this game. And I think Tennessee is favored by uh, five and a half to the spread. And, you know, I'm, I'm conflicted here. Um, but the spread being five and a half in Tennessee's favor. I think you're right. right. I, I, I see this game being a tight finish. This is not going to be a blowout. I don't think by any means. Um, they're two really good teams. Uh, Henry concerns me because the Browns' run defense the last couple games has been a little lackluster. Which I think because of the fact we're going into a game against the Titans and we know what kind of player that Derrick Henry is, mm-hmm. I think we're going to be seeing uh, the defense playing up more towards the uh, rush defense side of the ball this week. We're going to see a lot more uh, holes being plugged in by linebackers. Yeah. 
Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more blitzes too, I think. Tannehill's the quarterback for Tennessee, correct? Yeah. See, I look oh, at Tannehill. Fitzpatrick. No, uh, Miami. Then, yeah, it's Tannehill. Yeah, I'm not overly worried about Tannehill. I think the Browns can control him and contain him. But why I'm saying they're going to go for a lot more blitzes is to plug that lineup so that way Henry cannot get an opportunity to get through. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the Browns will be prepared for it because they know that Tennessee's probably going to run the ball more than anything else because they know they have that powerful running back. Just like yeah. I think Tennessee's going to try to plug up the holes on Chubb as well. And I think Baker's going to have to have a good game because I think Chubb's going to have a little bit of a hard day. I think it's going to have to be a Baker Mayfield day. Um, We're going to have to wait and see on that one. Um, what you, score are you thinking? I'm going to say the Browns will squeak by 24 to 21. Okay. But with, I mean, that'll put us above 500 for the season for the first time since 2007 as well. So, yeah, this will be a big day. I mean, the fact is that the Browns could be nine and three going into their game against the Ravens. And even if they're not going into that Ravens game eight and four, you still can't complain. That would still be a great thing going into that game. Um, oh, God, yeah. It will just, it'll just make the Ravens game even bigger because if the Browns win on Sunday, the, the Baltimore game. It's still a big game, but it won't be as big of a game if the Browns beat right. by Tennessee. But uh, I think the one thing that I'm overly concerned about going forward is uh, is really this game. This game here is going to be, I think, the Browns' true test. I think this is where we see um, the national media always keeps dismissing the Browns as being um, maybe the team that's not legit. I read a great article on NFL.com today about if the Browns are legit. And they say the Browns are legit, and I believe the Browns are legit. I just think it's been unfair that, that you know, everybody keeps making the argument that the Browns are, are not for real. I, I was telling the audience that, Jace, that NFL.com today posted a great article, a little, a little blurb, and it asked a bunch of true and false questions. And the one question was, are the Browns legit? And NFL.com said, absolutely, they are legit. Yes, if they played some not-so-good teams and they played a weak schedule, sure, they said, but people are missing the point that the Browns have improved from last year. They look better than they ever have since they've come back in 99. And they have proven that they know how to finish football games, something they never knew how to do in the past 25 years. Exactly. And this game this week is the true test that the Browns are playing a team where – we are able to see if the Browns are officially playoff ready. Well, we're going to have to wait and see. But, but I do um, think that it's going to be okay. I think they're going to be fine. But with that, um, unless you got anything else to add, I think we're ready to close this one out. No, just to congratulate the Browns that they are now the number five seed, the top wild card spot in the AFC. Exactly. Let's hope we can hold on to this. Let's hope so. The Browns go to nine and three this week. After this week, uh, they're going to be prime position to be going red hot into the playoffs. So let's just cross our fingers and hope it happens. All right. All right, everybody. Thank that you. That one signing out. We will see you next week. Hopefully, nine and three. <laughs>